Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online Masters of Social Work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? Everybody and welcome back to Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I'm a film critic for IGN and The Wrap, and everybody calls me Bibbs. Uh, my name is Whitney Seibold, and I, too, am a film critic. I write for IGN. I write for criticallyacclaimed.net. I write for the world. <laughs> well, you win. <laughs> I only write for those two places. Sadly, the world doesn't cut me checks. Ah, <laughs> Uh, it's a new year, and happy, happy new, new year. Happy new year. This is 2019, Yeah, and uh, a lot of sci-fi movies took place in 2019. Did, is that really true? Yeah, I wrote an article all about it. Oh, that's fun. Like, name, name three. Uh, Blade Runner. Okay. Akira. Ah. And Geostorm. Geostorm, no. really? Yeah, well, it took for, like just a few years in the future, so oh they chose God. 2019. Uh, that's hilarious. Heat Seeker with Gary Daniels. Wow, that's a place deep cut. in 2019. That's one deep cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No uh, one remembers that. That was a terrible movie. <laughs> uh, that movie Daybreakers by the Spirit Brothers with the, the vampire apocalypse. Nice. Ten years in the future is 2019. That's amazing. Yep. I'm glad we did this. Everybody, thank you so much for <laughs> so, listening to Cancel so Soon. All of those movies are about to come true. Um... So it's a it's a new year, it's a new uh, season. I cancel too soon. Or it's the same season. It's all, the same season. It's, it's a just new, a new year. It's a new damn year. <laughs> and uh, but we got the same old problems because uh, we were gonna review uh, the sketch comedy series The Edge, and then mm. I ran into some technical difficulties on my end, mm. and I couldn't watch all the episodes. So that's been pushed back just a little bit. We're gonna try to get to that next week. Mm. And we have decided in its stead to review a pilot that we've been meaning to get to for like two years. We, we've give, put this one on a poll before, at least and, once, and we were shocked when it didn't win. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it is a failed pilot for an action-adventure series starring Jesse the Body Ventura and Rowdy Roddy Piper, uh, the former wrestlers, mm-hmm. in their heyday in early in the early 90s, 1991. Well, a little past their heyday. Post-heyday. It was post, just, just day. Just post-heyday. Just day. Yeah, okay. Uh, and uh, they, they play wrestlers who lose their jobs as wrestlers and become cops. It's called Tag Team, and we don't have a clip. Nobody give a crap about this. There are no promos. Can you just play the first part of Whoop? There it is. Yeah, tag Team back again, where they, ta- they, where they say their own name. We don't have the rights. Uh, I guess you're right. Yeah. We can, we can say Whoop. There it is. Whoop. Here's the series. Uh, yeah, so this is a an hour-long show. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, it comes from uh, the magical land of ABC. It aired on January 26th, 1991, opposite Candid Camera and Carolyn Company. Uh, it aired uh, Saturday night right before the Super Bowl. <laughs> Which is a great spot to debut a show. Uh, it was directed by Paul Krasny, who did a whole bunch of TV. He did Moonlighting, MacGyver, Mannix, Police Squad. Mm. Uh, it was written by Robert L. McCullough, who wrote episodes of Star Trek Next Generation, Galactica 1980, and Baywatch Nights. <laughs> and uh, it was created by a six-year-old. Well, it, it was based on an idea by a six-year-old. Like, the, the, the six-year-old didn't go into the, you know, the studio with a suit and a briefcase and say, Okay, I, you got, I got five minutes, I need three. Here's the premise. <laughs> I wish that had yeah. happened. Uh, the story goes, we were able to track down an interview clip between Jesse Ventura and Rowdy Rowdy uh, Piper. About the origin and failure of this show. And Jesse Ventura revealed that the idea came from the six-year-old son of the writer, McCullough. He was watching wrestling with his kid, and his kid looked up at his dad and said, Wouldn't it be great if two wrestlers became cops? And he was like, damn, that's a good idea. Uh, yeah. I'm going to steal your idea, son, and you're never going to see it down. No, that's how The Princess he's... Bride got written. Oh, yeah? Yeah, the, uh, uh, when Goldman said he, he was telling stories with his daughters and he's like what should, what should tonight's story be about mm. one said princesses mm. the other one said brides and he's like oh, okay I'm writing that down princess bride That's pretty good all right. it's also how Robert Rodriguez came up with uh, Shark Boy and Lava Girl oh yeah they're not really... all winners that's how Jar Jar Binks came into existence <laughs> really oh yeah it was his son's idea just oh it was Jar just, just, just this, named it this kooky newt man in the Star Wars world well, I don't know I don't know might have just been the name oh know, okay but like yeah um so, uh, uh, yeah, so this has, but this, this in much in the same vein as like Axe Cop, this has that kind of young, innocent vibe to it. Well, There's like, nothing hard edged about anything in it. That, that was wrestling at the time. There, there was this big shift in wrestling in the early 2000s that, that really kind of soured me, where uh, that's when characters like Kane and Mankind started showing up. And there was. It got dark. Yeah, there was this kind of almost a serial killer vibe hanging out, like Seven. Somehow infiltrated the WWF. You gotta make them threatening. Yeah, and they, they changed the logo from that shiny metal WWF plate looking thing to the like scratchy WWE logo. And yeah, it's like, like someone, it's like really, someone tried to claw the logo trying yeah, to get yeah, out of so, the studio. All, all of a sudden it's like really dark and extreme and it's like, no, what happened to Jake the Snake Roberts who puts a snake on you? See, in the 1980s you know, when I was watching wrestling, and uh, I'm, this isn't, I'm not saying it was better than, I'm not. I'm just oh no, it was, it was way worse. It, 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 it was just vibe. so much so much more entertaining. It had a different vibe. I'm yeah. not even saying it was more entertaining. It oh, was just yeah. it had a very different vibe. But the idea was there was always this, even though there was antagonism and fights, mm. one always got the impression that every single one of these wrestlers would make a great babysitter. Yeah, like they, they you could hang out with these guys. Yeah, they seem except nice. for the Ultimate Warrior. You want to oh. stay away, or uh, or, or not not Ultimate Warrior. It was. Oh. Um, uh, Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> I'm gonna look after you tonight. What are we having? Brownies. <laughs> no, it's Slim Jims, you moron. No, it's never do a Slim Jim. I don't want a Slim Jim. You're eating fifty. Oh God! Yeah, Every time I take a bite, the walls crumble. This is hell. This is hell. <laughs> it's like Cat in the Hat, but he won't help clean up. 
I would love to see a cop show with Macho Man Randy Savage and the Hulkster. They're just screaming the entire time. But the early films that would come out with wrestlers and even non-wrestlers and just bodybuilder types. Like, remember the Barbarian Twins? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think they had a wrestling career, but, like, their the, early persona were, was just, we're nice guys! Hey! And, and they, well, they, even when they were mean, there was something a little bit more cartoony about it. It's like they yeah. were embracing the whole Saturday morning cartoon dynamic. If you remember uh, No Holds Barred, the uh, yeah, Hulk Hogan yeah. movie. Oh, he, I remember. Oh, yeah. Hulk, the Hulkster basically played himself, and the idea was that someone... He played Rip. <laughs> his character was named Rip. Uh, well remembered. And his arch nemesis was a new wrestler named Zeus. Played, played by, by the great Tiny Lister. Tiny Lister, Tiny Lister who's hilarious, by the way. Not, oh, in, that, not in that movie. He's terrible he's in that movie. He's pretty funny in that movie. I think he knows what he's doing, because yeah. he's such a cartoon. You're right, he's a cartoon. Mm-hmm. It's just this cartoonish evil. And also, there's this huge commitment to the idea that wrestling is 100% real. Uh-huh. Now, I'm not one of those people who, who says, like, you know, wrestling is all fake. Like, no, those people are really doing, like, some really impressive mm-hmm. physical stuff. Like, but the, the storytelling is, is scripted. The storytelling, the <laughs> characters... You know, the punches are pulled, but that doesn't mean the stunts aren't really difficult. And dangerous. And dangerous. And, and, yeah, and requires and, yeah. a, a lot of actual physical labor on the parts of the performers. I have nothing but respect for mm. the majority of all wrestlers. Like, yeah, I, and, yeah. and I'm only saying majority because for all I know, one is an asshole. Yeah, like, so, some of them might be assholes in there. I, I don't and, follow it closely. I just, I respect the craft. Mm. I respect the storytelling. I never got particularly into it after I was a little kid. But... Wrestling was when I was young, and when this move, when this uh, pilot came out, uh-huh. cool and very fun loving, and mm. that was the vibe that they evoked in tag team. Notice that their names aren't like really all that threatening. Roddy Piper isn't like killer Roddy Piper. He's just rowdy. Yeah, rowdy Roddy Piper. Like, like, like he'd probably like break a bench if he was drinking with you. Yeah, like he, he's he, like, ah, I'm so mad about my wrestling career. Break. Like that's it. Or or his. Or, He's, he's drinking a beer, he's like, oh, that was good, and he'll smash the mug, and then he'll pay for the mug. Yeah, he's not uh, a dick. <laughs> and then uh, Jesse, the body venture, right. and uh, yes, well, his, he, I, he has one of those. His, his persona was that he was very vain, and yeah. he, he, you know, was full, full of himself and very, uh, uh, sold that persona. And he had a very odd vibe for that, too, because, yeah, he was physically very, very fed. He mm. was a former, um, not technically a Navy SEAL, there was a side branch. Mm. That eventually got folded into the Navy SEALs, but when he was doing it, it wasn't technically a Navy SEAL. But he was, he was in the military. Of, he was yeah. in the military. He's in the armed forces. He was very, very fed um, and huge. But he also, he's a giant guy and huge. But he's also very bald. Like he just doesn't have <laughs> like the vibe, like the overall look mm-hmm. of someone who you just have to be super vain. So it was yeah. kind of funny. Um, and in tag team, uh, Roddy Piper and Jesse Ventura mm-hmm. play wrestlers. Uh, they're not particularly great wrestlers. And at the beginning of the episode, they are about to uh, embark on their latest... Cat, stop playing with the curtains. (laughs) Stop it. They're about to embark on their latest match against the Samurai Brothers. And we are introduced to them... And the Samurai Brothers aren't real wrestlers. I don't think so, no. And in fact, they're not playing... They're, they're they're not playing Jesse the Body Ventura or Rowdy Roddy Piper, no. although they kind of are. No, actually, Jesse, what I love is Rowdy Roddy Piper. I don't remember if his hair was always like this. If you notice, he has a He-Man haircut and a oh. He-Man neckline. I mean, that was just the look at the time. Was it? Yeah. That's a shame. <laughs> that doesn't do anyone any it, good. It was a dark time <laughs> of collarless sweatshirts. <laughs> And mullets that partied for days. So they're about to go on, and we, we're introduced to them. What's our first shot at? Will you knock it off with those curtains? <laughs> I'm trying to do a podcast here, and you're a cat. Okay. Uh, 
we're first introduced to our mighty heroes, mm. and they are in a very compromising position as Roddy McDowell. Uh, Roddy McDowell, Roddy, <laughs> very different actor. Roddy Piper is uh, trying to work out a kink in Jesse Ventura's back. Yeah, backstage, and we've realized right away that they are a best friends, mm. b very intimate with one another. Very like there's close. no, yeah. there's no borders, there's no boundaries mm. in their relationship. And they're just sweet guys who love each other. Yeah. They're, Very they're, much. They're not lovers, though. I have a feeling. You have that a if feeling? Tag, I have a feeling that if Tag Team had taken off mm. and gotten its 100 episodes, people would have looked back on their relationship and it's, gone, like, there's some Xena stuff going on in here. There's yeah, some subtext. Yeah, yeah, um, Within they, one they, episode, they we never, don't go very far. But this was 91, They and these were rest. They never would have played it up. They no. never would have, you know hinted at anything if there was any kind of gay subtext it would have just they turned it they would have turned it into a gay panic joke yeah it's like, oh no 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 we're not we're not gay they never went yeah. there in the in the pilot though that's never a yeah, thing it yeah. just feels like they're just really mm. mega close and the, the characters are named uh not rowdy roddy piper but tricky rick mcdonald yes and jesse the body ventura is billy the body young blood is he the body? I think he's. I think he's the body okay. there too. Uh, yeah. And Jesse, the, these two guys had. Uh, this was not their first foray outside of wrestling. No, uh, Roddy McDowell Roddy, had already been Roddy Rowdy Piper. Why are doing that? Roddy Piper. Roddy Piper had already been in They Live, classic movie of the nineteen eighties, and Jesse Ventura had already been in Predator. Yeah, and also and, Running Man and a few other things. And uh, Small Wonder. Uh, <laughs> They had a he, long, play, he played himself in an episode of Small Wonder. They, they didn't have a lot of range, but they had mm. done the wrestler-to-acting mm. transition reasonably successfully. Well, and I think Roddy Piper especially um, had, I guess because his, his ring persona was so outgoing, mm-hmm. he had already kind of come to, to foster an on-camera charisma yeah. that a lot of wrestlers never really were able to develop. I think, it's, I think casting so, him in They Live was actually a real stroke of genius mm-hmm. on John Carpenter's part because, yeah, he's big, but he has a big, I work at a construction site and I'm a nice guy vibe. He doesn't yeah, have this yeah. huge intimidating cane presence. He looks like a normal guy who happens to be rather muscular. Mm. He's very genuine. Rather muscular. He's guys very genuine. Huge. He's very genuine. Yeah. Is my point. yeah. And uh, he, he, even mm. he always seems like he's happy to be there. And uh, Jesse Ventura is from Minnesota. Mm-hmm. You see him in interviews and you see him in this and it becomes really clear that he's just sort of a, a good, nice, polite Minnesota boy. Yeah. Now he was mm-hmm. Jesse Ventura would of course uh, run for governor and when mm-hmm. he was mayor, then he was governor of Minnesota. Um, and, uh, by all accounts did a reasonably good job in the role, but his like whole career, you look at his, just look at his Wikipedia page sometime. <laughs> he's had the most fascinating career. He's written multiple books, mm-hmm. some of them autobiographies, some of them political screeds. He wrote a whole book about six, like it's like 63 reasons why the JFK assassination was a conspiracy. <laughs> so he's into that. He hosted a reality TV show about conspiracy theories. Um, he's got a lot of interests, that guy. But he's also, you know, uh, been very supportive of gay rights. Mm. And uh, 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 I think he was very pro-abortion and... Um, he, he ran on the Reform Party ticket, and he's an interesting man. <laughs> and he was in a series of long-running lawsuits with Chris Kyle, the protagonist of American Sniper. Oh, wow. Who wrote about an altercation in which Chris Kyle, like, 
fought Jesse Ventura in a bar because Jesse Ventura shit talked to the Navy SEALs and America. How come that wasn't in the American Sniper movie? Because it was in the because they were in the middle of a huge lawsuit oh, in which Jesse Ventura said that never happened. If it did happen, every Navy SEAL would be talking about it because it's a small community. Mm. And I, he sued for like defamation of character and um and he won. Oh, <laughs> he was, well, good for him. Yeah. yeah so, <laughs> uh, it's it's fascinating career that guy and he has said in interviews that if tag team had had gotten off the ground and been mm. a real series he probably never would have gone into politics because it was that like lull in his career that made him want to go into politics yeah 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 <laughs> weird so, so the failure actually led to a more interesting life for Jesse Ventura yeah uh so the, its success however maybe would have been a fascinating little footnote anyway I think so. It's mm. an interesting little. It's it's a cute little premise, and uh, let's just walk through it. So mm. we're, we're, we meet uh, well, we, Youngblood and McDonald and can, their wrestlers, and we can speed through because this is nothing but cliche. They didn't write any character into this thing. Not a lot. They're just basically coasting on charm. But there's a lot of fun stuff in the episode, mm. so I do want to talk about it. So we we meet them. They're about to go on against the Samurai Brothers, and then Shannon Tweed shows up. <laughs> That's right. There's a lot of people in our audience who might not know who Shannon Tweed is. I guess so, because her, yeah. her, she, she hasn't been famous, famous for a while. Well, and her type of fame isn't really celebrated anymore because she was the star of a thing that doesn't exist anymore. No, she was a Skin and Max superstar. Mm. Janet Tweed was uh, a model and an actor uh, in the 1980s, and then in the 1990s in particular, she fell into this very unusual subculture of cinema that people don't talk about very often, mm. which was the Skin and Max thriller. After about 10 or at the most 11 o'clock on any night on the uh, cable station Cinemax, they would air erotic thrillers. And the majority of them did not go to theaters, but oh, they no. did occasionally have good cast in them. Like C. Thomas Howell was in some well, of them. And they, they, they had... Jo- jo- not Josh Brolin. James Brolin? James Brolin, I think, was yeah. in one or two. Um, and da- David Duchovny would cop- crop up from time to yeah, time. He was, uh, he was the Red Shoes Diary guy. Yeah, Red Shoe Diaries. Yeah. Red Shoe Diaries. Um, yeah. He... These were essentially what you could get away with in terms of pornography mm-hmm. without <clears throat> having any actual hardcore pornography. It's a way of sneaking a lot of sex and a lot of nudity into a really flimsy story, usually involving a rough sex specialist or therapist. Yeah, there was this whole series of these films in which Shannon Tweed, in particular, oh. played a sex therapist and someone was killing her clients. Like that was a that was a trope. Just Shannon Tweed is a, a sex therapist. It wasn't a series. That was just the premise of several films. I feel like that might have been like the whole point of body chemistry one through five. But whatever. Yeah, so. Um. But yeah, these this was not like nowadays. If you stay up late in Cinemax, they'll just cut the majority of the sex out of porn and they'll show the porn movies. Like, narrative well, and, porn movies. And, they'll and, just do it. And a lot of porn movies are being shot that way now. Yeah. Like they're trying to do is like. Shoot them in such a way that there is a lot of narrative cohesion and you can remove the sex scenes without hurting that. And occasionally in the 1990s, uh, porn stars would actually show up in these Skinamax movies, but the movies themselves were legit thrillers with with actually not as much sex as you might expect. Mm-hmm. Um, they had actual, you know, sets, production design, well, musical it, scores. They felt more like real movies yeah. overall. It, it depended on which ones you got. When you start dipping into, like, the, the femalian or erotic okay. virtual reality corner of it, then it's... True, but if Shannon Tweed or Joan Severance was in it, mm. you knew it was a real film. And, it, yeah, it, was, it had a little more class. Yeah, a little bit more, a little bit more effort was put if, into if it. If Zalman King's name was, was mixed in there some, yeah. some So way. Shannon Tweed showing up and this is actually kind of a fun ah 
Ah, oh, Shannon Tweed. That's cool. So she shows up and she goes up to them and says, and tries to blackmail them. Well, she, what she does is or, she or says, just bribe them. She says, uh, uh, the the samurai brothers are going to win this because mm. she's like married to the guy who who runs wrestling, I guess. And they're just like, whoa, wrestling is not fake. We, yeah, we're but... in this to win. We think we got a good chance against those guys. <laughs> See, the cats right now are impersonating wrestling as we speak, but they're fake. Which one of the cats is Rowdy Roddy Piper, and which one is Jesse Ventura? Well, I think uh, Sergio is definitely Jesse because he's way more vain. Okay. And uh, Luca, <laughs> being a kitten, is incredibly rowdy. Yeah, okay. Yeah. They're both bad cats. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we're like, well, no, we think we stand a good ch- chance against those guys. Mm. So they go in the ring, and they win. And mm. when they do, uh, Shannon Tweed tells her husband that they sexually harassed her. Mm. Which, she, which she said she was going to do. She said she was going to do. She, she warned I will, them. I will falsely accuse you of sexual harassment. And then they get barred from wrestling for mm. life. Which, okay, this particular plot point, mm. which is in a lot of erotic thrillers, um, really is ugly it's, and needed yeah. to go away. Well, it, it's ugly and needs to go away, and it especially plays bad in 2018, 2019. No, I, I think, but I think uh, it was always terrible, and it always created this false narrative yeah, that, 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 that that was a really common thing. Yeah, that, that happens all the time. Yeah. Right? No, it was actually insanely rare. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it never happened, but like you look at the statistics, it's it's like the tiniest possible yeah. fraction mm-hmm. of, of actual incidents. And like, yeah, it's, it's really gross. That we just treated that plot point cavalierly, mm. that that was Hollywood's reaction to the uh, uh, rise of sexual harassment lawsuits, mm. particularly in the 1980s, was to turn it into a lie women tell. That was disgusting. Mm. And I'm embarrassed mm. for the entire industry that we ever did it so many times. Uh, yeah, that it was just sort of so flip, so casual. Yeah, just it's a thing. It's just a thing that, that happens sometimes. It, it is a way just to get the action started. Yeah, and it's not a thing. Yeah, It's not a thing. It's gross. It didn't happen. Fortunately, this show is not all about that. No, that, So you can fact, push it aside in a minute, but like that, we do need to address that that's a lame plot point. It should never be. It, it was the backstory. So one, once they're fired, uh, there's the UHF sequence where they're just sort of looking around and doing different jobs and failing. Yep. So they go back to their mm. like huge loft apartment that they share together. It's in Los Angeles. I don't I know where in I LA. I think it's downtown. I think it's, I know yeah, that building. Okay. Um, yeah, they live in a huge loft. Uh, there's no dividers, so they sleep right next to each other, but in mm. different beds. And there's mostly just workout equipment and cool posters. Mm. And uh, they're, they're the Beatles in Help, essentially. So they go on a series of like short misadventures as they try to find different jobs. Uh, one of which they're working uh, for. Uh, a like women's defense class, mm-hmm. but they're only like the dummies that get beat up by the by the yeah. various women. They're not teaching any self defense. They're yeah the the, and it, it wasn't necessarily defense. It seemed to be like therapy. Yeah, it's like the, and I Just think beat them up. Well, this this was I think the series trying to uh, balance off that terrible uh, terrible plot point with Shannon Tweed. I would hope so. It's like. Well, and and men are terrible. Let's get them. Yeah, uh, the, and, the, and, and a bunch of women beat up our protagonists. The instructor no is played by Kathy Kinney, who would go on mm. to a very long career on the Drew Carey Show as Mimi. Oh, that's Kathy Kinney. I didn't yeah. recognize her. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, then uh, the next gig that they get, and this yeah. this was the funniest moment in the entire series for me. They mm. become piano movers. Yeah. So they're. Because they're, they're big, strong guys. Yeah. Why not? They're pulling a piano up multiple flights of stairs. Mm. And then Jesse Ventura's back goes out, which it tends to do. 
And then the piano slides down the stairs, but it doesn't just slide down the stairs. It slides <laughs> it down, the stair. down the stairs. It rockets down the stairs. It crashes through a brick wall, mm. falls several stories onto another piano and their truck. <laughs> and it's huge. It's like a big stunt. They really knocked out like a wall of like a building. Like it's I mean, actually it's, like a thing. It's clearly just drywall, but yeah. They still right. did it though. Mm. Like it's still like a hell of a fun <laughs> sight gag. They peek out through the hole. Whoopsie. Well, guess we're guess we owe thousands of dollars for those pianos. Yeah, some those are not cheap. Some pianos are really expensive. So they go to the supermarket when, to commiserate. When when you uh, when you move a piano, you have to pay by the stair. No. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, actually. that's that they they charge by the stair. They have to go like a really really high staircase, and I think after like fifteen, it it goes up. The amount yeah. per stair goes up. At that point, yeah. just disassemble the piano and reassemble it in your apartment. Pianos don't really work like that, but okay. <laughs> They're not really modular. <laughs> so Roddy and Jesse, uh, they go to the market to commiserate and get their snacks. There's this fun bit where Jesse, Jesse loves grapes. Like, that's his whole subplot. <laughs> that's right. He loves so he's like, grapes. I'm going to get some grapes. So he goes to get some grapes and he like sees the grapes and he just picks up like a huge bushel of grapes. Mm. And he's walking around. And then uh, they walk in on someone robbing the joint. Mm-hmm. And Roddy McDowell fights the guy, but that turns Roddy out... Roddy Piper. Please stop calling him Roddy McDowell. Roddy McDowell <laughs> and Roddy Piper were basically the same actor. I think we can both That's agree true. That. That's yeah, true. They're very similar. Roddy Piper was really great in Cleopatra. So good. Uh, Roddy Piper fights the guy. <laughs> I'm going to keep doing that. I know it. Roddy, uh, Roddy, Roddy Piper fights the guy. Yeah. Turns out he had an accomplice. Jesse Ventura fights that guy. And... It goes on a while. It's almost like that opening from Loaded Weapon mm. 1. Like, it's just like a really... Like, then it turns well, into a short car chase, you, you, and you, they crash through, like, a recycling container full of cans. That's why this pilot was made. It was just to show these guys doing wrestling stuff out in the street. Yeah. But in a way where they're not just, like, beating people up. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it, I, I imagine in the modern day, if, like, two wrestlers wanted to do a show together, they would play the criminals now. Like you, you like Kane and Mankind, and they're just sort of beating up people, and they're like super villains. And I think they'd be anti-heroes. They'd be like dark, may, oh yeah, maybe vigilantes. They, yeah. But yeah, they, yeah, they'd be like savagely beating people in alleyways and stuff. <laughs> um, but no, here, no, now here it's all benevolent. Here they're super cute and they're fun and like, hey, remember that move we did against mm-hmm. Jimmy the Toucan mm-hmm. and. Uh, what, what was the name of the move in in the X Men comics? Where, oh, the uh, Cannonball Special. That, that's the where one where Colossus through Wolverine. Yeah, would pick up Wolverine and just chuck him at no, something. No, fastball special. Fastball. The fastball special. Yeah, okay. that's when he that's when he yeah. threw Wolverine. <laughs> that doesn't seem like a special. It was just hucking a guy. Well, it's still neat. Yeah. Um, and it spoke to the X Men's shared love of baseball, which is ah. yet to make it into any of the movies. They should have a movie where they do nothing but play baseball, like that one Deep Space Nine episode where they stop the war and just have a baseball episode. That was a terrible episode of Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Yeah, that was really embarrassing for everyone. And that was the last season. They did not have a lot of real estate. They had mm. stuff to wrap up. They yeah. had just killed a character. And, and they, <laughs> like, they, like they, just, they had killed a character they just introduced, and there's this new front, a whole new species is joining the war. Oh, no, everything's so much more complicated. Okay, clean up. Also baseball. Yeah. Also, we're going to do a heist on the holiday. Uh, yeah, also, yeah, also Vic Fontaine kept showing up. It's like, okay, Vic Fontaine's an interesting idea. Don't use him every third episode. Jeez. We really need to do that Star Trek podcast. <laughs> just kvetch about Star Trek. That's, it's not bad, and we've had some requests. No, I'm I, not I, saying we're going to do it, but I'm also not saying we're I, not. I, I do want to get Scott Mance on board mm. so we can do Stark vetching, and I know that Stark <laughs> vetching is... <laughs> that's going to be our next big hit. That's not bad. Um, 
So at the end of all of that, uh, the cops show up and they thank uh, Roddy and Jesse. Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, I thought you guys were undercover cops. Well, you'd sure be an asset to any force. And then they look at each other with like a cocked eyebrows like, uh, oh, I saw the first four police academies. So now, or I think gonna... the fifth. What year? This was ninety one or ninety two. Ninety one. So I think the first five police academies were already a thing at this point. Yeah. So they they got the gist of it. Yeah. So they go to police academy, mm-hmm. and um, really they just kind of do well. There's one like jerk cadet uh-huh. who's really mean to them for literally no reason. Like he doesn't have any beef against them mm-hmm. he doesn't think they think they're better than him he's just an ass who like knocks them off mm-hmm. of like climbing towers I'm and sorry they... Police Academy 6 was in 89 so yeah, yeah this was sort of already pretty wrapped up at that the point. Police Academy movies were like the Saw movies of the 80s you just got one every year yeah you got them sometimes more than one and they were and they were all hits well not yeah. all but they all yeah. made money they all made money yeah. They're really, really popular. People don't talk about them anymore because they're offensive as all get out now. They're not great. Yeah, every joke is like stereotypes, offensive, sexist, racist. There's homophobic. There's all kinds of horrible, horrible jokes in those movies. Ugh. I grew up watching those things. I'm, I'm sorry. Police Academy Three is a legit good film. Is it? Police is Aca- it? Police Academy Five is one of the worst things ever. Is Police Academy Three Citizens on Patrol? No, that's back in training. Oh, that's the one where Bob Goldthwait joins the cops. See, I thought the one where Bob Goldthwait joins the cops was Citizens on Patrol. No, he was already a cop by then. Citizens on Patrol was the one where they recruit all of the senior citizens. Oh, but senior I, but, citizens on patrol. But Bobcat Goldthwait was a citizen. Yeah, well. The, was he not? The, the premise of Police Academy Four mm-hmm. was that uh, the the Metro PD, because they couldn't name the city, but you, but it was Toronto. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it was Metro City, and you once posited the theory that it was Metropolis, and that's mm. the reason why they could have bumbling cops, because Superman was doing Super, all the yeah, real work. Yeah, it was like, the, the cops can spend all the time they want playing pranks on one another when <laughs> Superman's actually stopping the real crimes. <laughs> and at one point, they even flash their, flash their badge and say, I'm Metro PD. Met- Metro. Are you Metropolis PD? But yeah, the the police like, police were in trouble, so they had to pretty much just deputize whoever but whoever came through the door. Yeah, and, that, and so and that's shows. how we got these wrestlers. It's in the same continuity. Yeah, there you go. Uh, they don't have Lieutenant Harris played by G.W. Bailey, but they have somebody who looks an awful lot like Tig Notaro. Yeah, actually, Robin Curtis. Robin Curtis. Uh, yeah, she's their she's their training yeah, uh, she instructor, was, and then later on, uh, mm-hmm. she becomes their captain when she gets promoted before the end of the episode. But yeah, she was Savic in, in Star Trek Three and Four. Yeah, she took over for uh, the Kirstie Kirst- Alley part from Star Trek Two. She was also in MacGyver, and she was in Star Trek: The Next Generation as not Savic. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Very confusing. Uh, that happened a lot. Yeah. Uh, actresses would. Actors and actresses would play like multiple parts. Well, especially on Star Trek. Yeah, when, especially yeah. when you put, put under some it's makeup, like, like an entirely how, different person. Like how many times did Jeffrey Combs show up as like a different alien? And Deep Space Nine alone, I think it's four or five. Uh, yeah, and those and many of them were recurring characters. Let's say he played Brunt and Wayun and that one guy who wanted the hologram of Kira in that one episode. And then he was also in like the second episode as like random terrorist or something. Oh, that's right. He was just like a human in that one. Yeah, yeah. So like a minimum so yeah, of Je- four. Jeffrey Combs was just height. He was living in the ceiling of the set, and they yeah. just kind of climbed up a ladder. Jeffrey, you free? What are you doing here? And then when <laughs> she showed up in Next Generation, I think she was like a Klingon or something. Right. She was oh. under a lot of makeup. Yeah. Anyway, wait, did she play Doctor Selar? No. Yes. No, no, that was Kalar. 
the same actress who played Kalar, uh, mm-hmm. Worf's uh, paramour and father of Alexander. Mm-hmm. Uh, she played she, Talera. That's I just Talera. Out. Okay, yeah, yeah. she was From the one. Who, she was the one who played a Vulcan doctor, like later in the series. It was the same actress. Seriously, we should just do that. <laughs> I don't know why why we're fighting it so hard. It just keeps coming up more and more. Why is <laughs> well, yeah. that? That's so weird. Because it's it's the TV show we watched. Right. It's that that's our our point of reference. It's our cultural fulcrum. Anyway, they uh, they they kind of whiz through training because they're actually mm-hmm. pretty good. There's a cute bit where uh, Roddy is concerned that he's not smart enough mm-hmm. to like pass he, the written he exam. He can't retain any facts. And, and then, then Jesse Ventura like, <laughs> smartly, just comes up to him like really kind of, really kind of quiet and reassuring like, hey, no one knows more about wrestling than you. Mm-hmm. Wait, what, who's the biggest wrestler who ever fought in the ring? Oh, it's this guy with this many pounds. Oh, who's well, you know, then they list real wrestlers, too. Oh, yeah, I like, just don't know they, the they answer. T- they talk about Andre the Giant a lot. Yeah, yeah, like, who's the tallest? And they're like, blah, 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 blah. Okay, now what do you do if someone calls in a 737? Well, you do this, this, and this. You'll be fine. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, oh, wait, I can remember this They're so cuddly and fun. Yeah, Noam Chomsky, of all people, had a, a bit about this. Uh, he, he was reading a lot of essays about how, you know, American culture was just is constantly on the decline. Like it started from this pseudo intellectual place and just has sauntered mm. downward ever since. And but then when he listened to like baseball call in shows, he would hear these people who were could like snap off baseball facts going way way back and these tiny little details about the game. And what we need to do is somehow transfer that passion to like local politics. And, you know, history and People literature. People are still smart. They're just applying it in weird ways. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. all there is to it. And it turns out he's smart. He was just applying it to wrestling. Mm-hmm. He can do the cop thing. They become cops. And their first assignment, which they have to shoehorn into the last 15 minutes of the episode, because no, we've it's, taken some time. It, it's about halfway through. Yeah. Uh, they a, a dog walker... Uh, played by the lady Bill Murray convinced was psychic <laughs> at the beginning of Ghostbusters. I had to look her up. She was so familiar to me. She's one of those people where everyone knows that character. Nobody knows her name. Do you know her name? Uh, no. Do you her name? No, I don't. Uh, I have to look it up again. <laughs> Shoot. Yeah, she was the actress who played the, the college... Jennifer Runyon. St- Jennifer Runyon played the college student that Peter Venkman was disgustingly hitting on right at the beginning of Ghostbusters. Yeah, and she was in, she was in quite a few TV shows. She was in... Oh, we saw her in... Um, uh, uh, Master Ninja? Oh, that's right. The Master. We saw the, the Master. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So she showed up in that, too. So here, she's a dog walker. She witnesses some people uh, kill some undercover cops. And uh, our heroes are... And now, ass- and now she's a witness. Yeah, and our heroes are, assi- are assigned to protect her. Mm-hmm. And guys break into the house well, and it's, it's, fight. It's, it's them and, like, two other cops who look like gangsters. Yeah, but, they're uh, veterans. And, like, in any other show, they'd be the corrupt cops. But yeah. they're not. They're just jerks. They, yeah, they'd look... That they're not corrupt cops is almost like subverting expectations. And they, they look down on our heroes because they're rookies and they look like lunkheads. Well, and and also it's just like, what are you doing? Well, I was checking the closets. They're not in the closets. Also, <laughs> the bad guys aren't in the closets. They're, they just became uniformed beat cops. They're just officers. And now all of a sudden, this seems like a pretty important assignment. Like mm-hmm. they're in the house with the witness. You'd think they'd be, like, in the car, in the patrol car, like, swinging by twice a day. Oh, and they're also, they're plain clothes cops. Yeah, yeah. Which is sort of just like, yeah, well, those guys don't stand out. Except their clothes are not plain. <laughs> because Roddy... Wide necks. Ra- yeah, Ra- right Roddy Piper is back in that, that collarless sweatshirt, and Jesse the Body Venturi, yeah, he's got the bandana over his head, and this 
spectacular fringe jacket. So imagine yourself, imagine you've got like a new a new hit action show on ABC and it's about two wrestlers who become cops and they fight crime in workout clothes and fringe leather jackets. <laughs> That's a great pitch. Yeah. <laughs> I want to yeah. see that show. Uh, there's a huge fight uh, and uh, Jennifer Runyon goes missing. She, she run, runs away from the fight. But she needs to be in court by so-and-so date, mm-hmm. or she won't be able to testify, and so, these cop killers will go free. So, so it's r- up r- to our heroes, who have just been suspended for letting her get away in the first place, mm-hmm. to track her down. And we do have that cliched scene where the captain... She, she doesn't actually bang on her desk, but she says, You guys are off the case. But she's actually pretty reasonable about it. She yeah. actually likes them. Well, and, kind of and they're reasonable about it. It's they're like, like we, they we said, screwed up. We did our job, but we screwed up. You're suspended. Okay. Yeah, like, they're, they're almost too affable. There's no drama at all. There's no drama. <laughs> there's no, like, there's no, like, you look at, like, most of the great, like, buddy crime fighting shows. Mm-hmm. There is, like, some sort of conflict. It can be really low key. I'm fastidious. I'm not. Mm-hmm. Or I'm a sexist. And I'm I'm a feminist. That's more of a broad one. Uh, here, they're just nice guys. I'm a good cop. I'm a cartoon cat. I just watched, uh, for one of our bonus uh, shows that are available mm. on our Patreon, patreon.com slash cancel too soon, for only the best. We review every Best Picture nominee in order, and I yep. just got to uh, the 1932, 1933 Little Women. Okay, the George Cukor film. Uh, mm, yes, George Cukor did that okay. one, and it starred Catherine Hepburn, and mm. it's wonderful. Um, and I was watching this, and it had been a while since I'd read or seen any adaptation of Little Women. Uh-huh. And what really warmed my heart as I watched it was it's a film in which no one's mean. Yeah. No one's no one's evil. No one's trying to stop anybody. Honestly, like there's like a couple of old mm. people who are kind of curmudgeons, but even they're mostly nice. Yeah. There's and, no one's no one is trying to hurt anyone throughout the entire story, mm. and yet it is compelling. Yeah, the, the drama comes from like little moments of like sweet comedic manner misunderstanding. It comes from moments in which people need to make sacrifices mm. for others and it hurts them. Mm. That kind of thing. So what we have here is kind of the cop show version of that, where just they're so nice and cheerful, and you mm. just want them to succeed at everything, and the only bad people are just like these really cu- cartoon cookie cutter yeah. bad guys that just have to take out every week. Sold. Travel in a van, and uh, yeah, so they, they because of a conversation they had about a dog, they figure out where the witness was hiding. And she was, was at a pound, yeah. and she was like helping out, like that was like her... Yeah. Relaxation time when they go in and she's like helping a dog with a hurt paw, and they're just like, <laughs> he says, "Where should get a dog?" Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. We always wanted a dog, and Jesse's really? like, "I don't know if we're ready for a dog in this relationship." Yeah, but look at this dog. It's the finest brown dog I've ever it's seen. Just a mutt. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't know what to call it. They uh, they manage to get her back to the court just in time, but just before they get in, There's right a- in front of the courthouse, a bunch of mobsters uh, try to fight them to the death on the steps. It's it's not the courthouse, by the way. It's like the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion, but it's, it's supposed it's, to be the courthouse. It's, it's it's just a theater, but yeah, it's and you have like Jesse Ventura and Roddy McDowell. Piper, <laughs> thank you. Piper, jumping off of buildings uh, on top of their heads and fighting them. And my favorite dodging bit, shovels and stuff. My yeah, yeah. favorite bit as they are fighting to the death in front of a courthouse. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever been to any courthouse ever. There are security guards mm-hmm. who would at least call someone. <laughs> They're not. Um, there's a bit where Jesse Ventura is on the ropes. 
Mm. Like he's he's against the tree and the guy's like strangling him. It might go real, real bad. And then Roddy Piper tags in. Tags in. He actually raises his hand out. Mm. Roddy Piper slaps it and starts fighting the guy. You don't need to do that. <laughs> in a real fight, no. <laughs> you can just you can just start fighting the guy. But there aren't any tag team rules. But, but it's tag team. They play it up yeah. so huge. Like it's this it's like it's free willy. Like it's this <laughs> big moment where oh god, will he tag him? I hope he tags him. I don't want Jesse Ventura in, to die. But instead of a whale, it's two giant guys. They they get the girl into the thing in time. And everything's okay. And everything's okay. And the denouement, mm-hmm. they're both working out. And then she shows up with the dog. And, and then they pan up to them uh, as in a picture in their cop uniforms. Yep. Executive producer Stephen Bochco. It wasn't Stephen Bochco. Well, yeah. my, my last little bit mm. uh, is the dog like runs in and it knocks Roddy, Mc, uh, Roddy, Mc, Roddy Piper. <laughs> it knocks Roddy Piper over and it's like, what should we name it? It's like, oh, I think he already got his name. Body Slam. Yeah. So they were going to fight crime with their dog named Body, Body Slam. Body Slam. I am not going to lie. Mm. I love the tag team. <laughs> I unapologetically Look, loved everything this show was quite obviously mm. intentionally laying down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, we, we and you, you know what we what we discussed wrestling was so much friendlier uh, mm-hmm. back in the late eighties and early nineties. Uh, people are still you know beating the stuffing out of each other and you know strangling each other and Hulk Hogan is hulking out. Yeah, it's like you punch him enough and he goes crazy. But there was something really approachable about everything in that wrestling world, and they were adapted into Saturday morning cartoons, and that seemed right. And then you look at Glow. The Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, which is sort of like the female counterpart to this, it was even broader, even more cartoony, and they had even sillier names. Have you seen the Netflix series? I haven't yet. It's wonderful. But I got to meet some of them. Oh, that's right. Some of the actual wrestlers. Yeah, Yeah, there was was a a special sort of get-together slash stage performance where they had younger actors reenacting some moments in their lives, and then they'd cut back to... The actual wrestlers and they tell the stories. That's so cool. Yeah, it was. A, that's a really mm. good show. I mean, that's a great, mm. great television series. And I hope everyone watched. Yeah. It. I mean, well, I, I I watched Glow. There's a great documentary film about Glow that I've seen. Mm. Um, and yeah, and I got to see them speak. So, I, Glow did come from this place of pure showmanship, and that showmanship could leak into any kind of entertainment at the time mm-hmm. because it was really open and really affable. And wrestling isn't affable anymore. Or I'm sure there's a I mean, lot. Of I'm sure there's a lot of. I mean, like the Rock came out of there, and who's more affable than the Rock? Nobody is the answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, there there seemed to be this really kid friendly, like a lot of kid appeal. Mm-hmm. Like, like as, as though the wrestlers and the bodybuilders mm-hmm. were themselves just big kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. really non threatening. Really non threatening. That's how they were sold outside the ring. Non threatening. And, and I think way. they understood. Like th- these guys would do live events, and yeah, kids would come up to them. You know, six, seven, eight, you know, they were nine the year old kids. We had to real life superheroes. Yeah, they had yeah, yeah. big colorful costumes and larger than life stories. So and when, when they told us of the importance of reading and when working you're out to, and eating healthy, even if it sucks, when you're going to put those characters in another entertainment in a TV show, it's necessarily going to be very light. You can't take those guys too seriously. Yeah, this could not so, be a dark show and work. There's so no way you, you have a cop show. It's like okay, cop show. You know, are they going to be solving murders? No. 
somebody's hot dog cart has been stolen. You know, they're, they're... You can do a murder, but it's got to be, like, light in the background. You can do a murder the way that, like, a Hallmark mystery can do yeah. a murder. Or it's like right at the beginning, and then it's kind of off camera. Or there's a murder, and they have to be, like, really, all of a sudden very sober about it. Oh, somebody was killed today. Well, this is... This police work's very serious now. You're police. You solve murders. That's your job. Every day, that's your job. <laughs> but, yeah, there's there's no grit at, on this at all. And... No. That is its selling point. Yeah. That's why it's really enjoyable. The that lack of drama we mentioned is its greatest strength. That's the appeal <laughs> of the series. Is that it is? It's kind of like when we uh, reviewed Voyagers. Mm-hmm. Like Voyagers is a very different show. It's about time travel, or whatever. But the affability of it, mm-hmm. the just gee willikers, we're going on an adventure quality of it, and mm-hmm. the sort of broad heroism of its protagonists. That's the appeal. That is something that is incredibly inviting. In that interview with Jesse Ventura and Rand, uh, Roddy Piper, mm-hmm. that Jesse Ventura even discussed that. It was supposed to be something you could watch. The whole family could watch it. Kids could watch. Mm-hmm. It's going to go on at team. 7 in the evening. And... Yeah, that was the idea. Um, and again, they got picked up. They got picked up for like 12 or 13 episodes, and they had like the, apparently the writing staff of Magnum P.I. had been put together <laughs> to do scripts for Tag Team. And then, oh gosh, with Ma- Magnum is that—that's the show, right? Yeah, that's that's the is prototype that for this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And they were ready to go. They had spent a million dollars. This is all according to Jesse Ventura, and we all know this the wrestlers is, yeah. are really good at talking themselves up. But this is the story. Apparently, they spent about a million dollars on sets. One of the sets was like they were going to use a house for a lot of the exteriors, and Roddy Piper said they let him live there. Yeah, which <laughs> <laughs> is really cute. Um, they they were ready to go, and then the two companies behind the show. Disney and Carol Co. Mm. Uh, were apparently in some sort of lawsuit over an entirely different thing. But mm. because they were in the middle of a lawsuit against one another, mm. they canceled the show they were working on together, even though it had nothing yeah. to do with the show. Well, it's, it's, that happens a lot. Uh, you, you hear about this all the time when a studio changes heads, like there's a yeah. new CEO. And all of the previous projects that the previous CEO had been working on, no matter how successful they might have been, mm. no matter who was attached, no matter how far along in the production is, sometimes they're even complete. Yeah. The new CEO can no longer be associated with that because if it's a hit, they, then they can't, take credit, they can't take credit for it and it's a failure, then they have to. Yeah. So they so just, if it's, they if put it's it on a shelf done, indefinitely. If yeah. it's not done, they just can it all together and if it is done, mm. they shelve it and they dump it out with no fanfare in like the first week of January. Yeah. And that's that. Um, so and apparently that was the fate so, yeah. that befell Tag Team. Mm-hmm. Um, if Tag Team had lasted 100 episodes, we should be so lucky. <laughs> uh, I looked. There's definitely an episode in which they teamed up with some kind of robot. Like the robot from Rocky IV. Like big <laughs> rolly robot or something that had important microfilm mm-hmm. in it. But like it got busted and they can't get it mm-hmm. out of the memory. So they have to like chase the robot like across Los Angeles as the robot... Discovers mm. what it means to be human. I don't know. At least one episode where they fought ninjas. <laughs> Legit ninjas. What would the Christmas episode have been like for oh, Tag Team? God, well, clearly one or both of them have to play Santa. No, one of them has to be Santa and one of them has to be the elf. And they have to. They, that's like oh, the right. one time they've ever fought is who gets to be the elf. <sighs> well, clearly Roddy Piper is the elf. I think so. and and Because Je- Jesse Ventura is just bigger. Just physically, he is, phys- he, he's, he's taller, he's wider. He's, he's got a Santa. little bit more maturity in him, I think. He he is the he's the leader of the two. I think so. Roddy Piper is the wild card. Yeah, <laughs> which which is really not that wild. 
Like if they're <laughs> no. both at they're both at like a five, Roddy Piper's at like a five point five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's where they are wild wise. Um, would the, here's the thing? I think it's interesting. There's no sexual tension anywhere in the episode. Well, this is yeah, it's for kids. There's I no know, rom- no romance, no sex. They don't want to. That would be gross in a kids show. I, I well, people have romance in kids shows. There's like at least subplots of crushes I so, and but yeah. will they or won't they's mm. and. Honestly, I see none of that anywhere near tag mm. team. I, I think it's going to be one of those things. Like, you ever see Too Fast, Too Furious? I have. I've seen all of those. Where uh, Paul Walker and Tyrese Gibson, mm. um, they're best bro friends, and they wrestle each other, mm. and they talk about their deep intimate connection. And as soon as, like, Ava Mendez shows up, Tyrese is, like, super jealous and mm. doesn't want him to spend any time with, the, with a woman. So you realize that... He's in love with Paul Walker. Totally in love. Yeah. That's the vibe we get from tag team. Anytime a woman shows up, it's a problem. Because they're, they're secretly in love like, with each other. Oh, there's this woman who's like in love mm-hmm. with Roddy. And Jesse's like, I don't trust her. And sure enough, mm-hmm. she is not to be trusted. Or it, it's not going to work out for some reason. And mm-hmm. They're meant to be. Yeah, I think I'm. I'm trying to find out the details of that case between Kurelko mm-hmm. and, and Disney. And I'm not finding it. Now, Kuroko is, is, was a hugely successful film studio uh, in the 80s and 90s. Um, you might have seen their logo in front of Terminator 2. Yeah. One of the most successful films ever. Um, they also did, uh, like, Stargate. They were responsible for bro- uh, bolstering Roland Emmerich. They also did Showgirls and Cutthroat Island, which were two of the biggest bombs of the 90s. Yeah. They, so, they, uh, they, they made they, a few... They rose fast and they fell fast. They made a few very mm. poor choices. Yeah. Um... Uh, they were for a second there. I remember, and I remember this. Uh, do you remember when Canon was going to do that Spider-Man feature film? I do. And the Spider-Man rights were actually being pulled back and forth between Canon and Karolko. And Karolko was going to do sort of like the James Cameron version. Hmm. James Cameron was, I think he'd even written a draft of this a Spider-Man he screenplay. Had, yeah. and, uh, or at least yeah. a long, like a 40-page page or something. And yeah, Karolko was going to do that version, but they never actually had full rights to the character, but Canon did. Hmm. And Joseph Zito, that auteur, was going to do the Spider-Man film. Oh, those are the days. <laughs> those are the wonderful, sweet, yeah. delicious I, days. I kind of wish that Canon had made that Spider-Man film. I would have been we, an interesting we would footnote. Not, we would not have had any of the Spider-Man films to follow just because the, the brand would have been stained for too long. Mm-hmm. But wow, that would have been spectacular, right? You'd be living in a very different world. Very different world. Very different world. A world in which Tag Team lasted 100 episodes. <laughs> uh, Whitney, was Tag Team canceled too soon? Golly, yes. Yes! <laughs> I, I would have loved to have seen this show. I would have been a huge fan of this. Uh, well... I, I think I was a little too old. I turned 12 the you year I debuted. I you would have liked, liked it, but you wouldn't have bragged about it. I maybe would have watched it here and yeah. there. Like, I, I wouldn't have set my VCR. I, was, I, I would have watched Mantis when this was playing opposite on a different station. Oh, yeah, Mantis. Way more mature than Tag Team. Well, I would have thought so at the time, yeah. yeah okay, <laughs> when I'm 12. We're still yeah. going to get the Mantis one. Don't worry. <laughs> Mantis is coming. Oh, yes. It's only a matter of time. <laughs> um, but yeah, Tag Team, listen, you can find Tag Team online really easily because mm. no one cares about it. Mm. And that's a tragedy. This is one of the more adorable, like, this reminds me of, like, in terms of, like, the level of quality of it, maybe it's not as, like, holy cow, noteworthy mm. as Poor Devil. 
but it's up there because it's just really good. Like it's really uh, it's, cute. It knows what it's trying to be. It, it's, it's trying to be this thing, and it is. It's really thing. simple. There's not a lot of like subtext or like richness. They they weren't cracking some sort of code with this. I feel like if they, they had, just did something really light well. I think if they had beefed up the whole crime fighting plot mm. added a couple like you know decent sized car chases or action sequences or like one building blowing up mm. you would have a very beloved cult action movie yeah if yeah, you would just beef this up to 90 minutes you mm. would this would be a very like people would think back really fondly give it to Walter Hill or Richard Fleischer one of mm. the like good 80s action directors and, yeah good. just really charming so um, that's Tag Team. That's the first film we've reviewed in 2019. First pilot, mm-hmm. uh, first series we reviewed in 2019. And uh, we're off to a good start because that was the delight. <laughs> Lucky us. And uh, by next week, we hope to get to The Edge. Yes, that's the plan. Um, sorry. That one's on me. That one's on me and my DVD player. I need to figure oh, it I'm out. I'm so sorry. Uh, but we have a bunch of cool stuff coming up for you in 2019. Uh, more pilots, more series. Uh, we got more polls. We're about to, we're about to record a, a video for a poll. It's going to go up on uh, the Patreon right now. So if you subscribe to our Patreon, uh, you get to vote for one episode of the show every single month. Mm. And this month it's a bunch of failed sitcoms because we want to try to mm. do more of those. Yeah. We tend to default sometimes to action and sci-fi because that's kind of where we live. <laughs> but we really want to do all kinds of different things. Mm. So uh, we're going to do more sitcoms. Uh I wanted to uh, give a, a shout out to all of our $10 uh, level Patreon subscribers. Yeah. Uh, one of your perks at the $10 level is you can assign us articles. Yes. Uh, to be put up on criticallyacclaimed.net, our website, via our other podcast. Whitney is very and, much on top of his. I am very much not, and that's on me, <laughs> but, but I do uh, have them. We do, do have, have the assignments. We have, re- we have more $10 Patreon subscribers than we have received assignments. So if you haven't given us an assignment yet, please do. Remi- and if you've given it to us and you haven't seen your article yet, remind us. Please remind us. Be obnoxious about it. Don't don't worry about bugging us because it's we want to get on top of all of your assignments. I have, I'm working like four mm. regular jobs right now and it's just I keep getting... Pulled away, sidetracked. I keep yeah. getting pulled away when I'm trying to do uh, the thing, and that's mm. bad. So uh, take me to task for it. Remind us that there's something we haven't done yet, mm. and we will get to it. Um, so uh, that's what the Patreon is for. I'll try to remember to put up a post mm. uh, about that just to get everyone to remind yeah, us. You can you can post it publicly if you don't mind your idea being made public. If you're mm. uh, have like some sort of strange idea that you'd rather not not take credit for publicly you can send it to us in a private email we'll still write the article mm. we can even uh, publish it at the the head of each of these articles we do like to give the assigner credit yeah this, but, has, been, uh, this if, has been sponsored by mm, blank uh, if, if you'd rather that be anonymous just let us know and we can do that otherwise we'll default mm. to mm. giving you credit because it's what you asked for yeah um so uh, that is that again next week we'll be back with uh, the Edge, uh, and we'll have uh, polls up on Patreon. We're getting close to being able to record the next Only the Best. Yeah, I'm ready whenever you are, but you have a couple more films I, to watch. I have several more films to watch. Okay. So yeah, sorry. It's been the holidays. Mm-hmm. Carving out. I have my kid with me all the time. It's kind of hard to carve out time when you're hanging out with a toddler. I understand completely. Uh, so thank you everybody for listening, and that is a wrap. We'll see you next season. <laughs>